0: While fleeing Apaches, this gentleman from Virginia found a strangely shimmering cave. When he entered it, he discovered his body had somehow split in two. One form lay dead on the cave floor, while the other was mystically transported through time and space to the planet Mars. Stan Lee presents Edgar Rice Burroughs' John Carter, Warlord of Mars. The Comic Book Time Machine presents Marvel's Cosmic Comics, exploring Marvel's licensed sci-fi and fantasy during the Star Wars period. Episode 118, John Carter, Warlord of Mars, issue number 21, The Lady and the Lion, cover date February 1979. Hey there, everyone. We are back again with another trip back in time. Uh, Trip back in time to 1979. Cover date of the comic book that we are looking at. This is the last issue of comics that are going to be covered by the Marvel's Cosmic Comics series for cover date February 1979. We always have ended on John Carter, Warlord of Mars. We start the month with Star Wars. We end with John Carter. And here we are. Back to John Carter, Warlord of Mars, and Daniel Butcher. I hope you're out there. I hope you're listening. I know you're out there, and I know you're listening, because you told me you were. You almost read ahead without me. But uh, you waited the two years that it took me (laughs) to get to this. Uh, But here we are, uh, once again, talking about one of my most exciting discoveries as I was exploring uh, these comics that I'm covering here for the Comic Book Time Machine. Now, for those of you that this is your first episode of Marvel's Cosmic Comics that you're listening to, uh, you heard in the introduction that we are covering the sci-fi and fantasy uh, books that were licensed by Marvel. These are not books that are Marvel characters. These are books that Marvel went licensed from the creators or from the creator's uh, estate, as is the case here, I'm assuming, uh, because Edgar Rice Burroughs was not alive at the time. but the the point is that this is these are not you know Spider Man this is not X Men those are cool things and there are plenty of people doing podcasts about those things I am delving deep here and like I said when I first started looking into this and first started then like creating my collection of Marvel's cosmic comics which is almost complete uh, as for, I mean there's just a few a few comics that I don't have and I'm not saying I have every single issue in fact this Issue that I'm reading from John Carter, Warlord of Mars, comes from the omnibus edition. It's a beautiful hardcover edition that I've talked about before, but uh, it's just a wonderful collection. It has every single John Carter, Warlord of Mars comic that Marvel did back then. And so, you know, when I was put, pulling this together and figuring out what I was going to cover, John Carter, Warlord of Mars, was probably the biggest surprise that I had as far as how much I loved it. And that's because in the beginning, the artwork was just so, so gorgeous. And it just it just blew me away. It blew me away. Uh, I made that qualifier saying in the beginning uh, because, well, you know, we're going to talk about this issue here, but it just... Uh, is not as great anymore uh, it doesn't soar to the heights that it did before. This is the Master Assassin of Mars chapter six and so if you're coming in in the middle here you know you, you can go to machine.com where you can find the John Carter World of Mars I there's um, you know the, there's uh, different sections and and things that you can click on where you can click on John Carter. Uh, in the blog post for this episode, and it will it will show you all of the episodes that are about John Carter, and you know that, so that's one way to do it. You can just go to you know your whatever your podcast catcher is, and you can scroll through and find all the John Carter Warlord of Mars episodes. But we're coming in in the middle of a story right now with this chapter six. What happened in the first five chapters? Well, John Carter and Dejah Thoris uh, found an underground kingdom that no one knew about. That is. Uh, it's just cut off from the rest of Mars, the rest of Barsoom. And in this underground kingdom, the males grow wings and become warriors, and the females don't. But um, it's it's a very warlike society, as is the case of much of, of Mars. But um, they got captured. Dejah Thoris was taken by their leader, the Jeddak. His name is Chan Tomar And Chan Tomar is not a good person. He's not a good leader. People don't like him. He's petty. He's evil. He's gross. And he takes Deja Thoris and he takes her for his own. And the implication there is that Dejah Thoris has done things she does not, uh, she is not proud of. Um, but the implication that you're also kind of seeing is that, that she's been um, physically taken she's been raped and she has been um forced into things that uh are a violation of of her autonomy and a violation of her physicality and she doesn't uh, she doesn't believe that she is worthy of john carter anymore and 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 Part of that is societal, and then part of it is personal. And we're going to talk more about it when we get into the story here. But uh, John Carter, in this episode, uh, ended on a cliffhanger last issue. Uh, He was rescuing her. The, The plan being he would rescue Dejah Thoris from her captivity, and then they would escape and go with his friend, Garthon, and his lover, Hera. Garthon and Hera, they're on their way out. And and they're waiting for them because they have a special way to escape from this place. But things went bad, which is what usually happens in your cliffhanger. And some (laughs) guards come. I remember reading the final panel. I'm going to read it right now where uh, the final panel, the last issue, the cliffhanger just did not do much for me because I did not feel like there was much danger here because John Carter is a superhero in this world. He is Superman in this world. The last panel says, We turn to go and stop dead in our tracks. And then you hear some dialogue from the two guards. Traitor! Assassin! The Jeddak honored you, John Carter, and look how you repay his kindness. Summon the Night Watch, CalTAC. No, comrade. This Ulcio, we slay ourselves. And I remember thinking that was stupid of them. The. uh first page of this issue is that exact same panel and actually that exact same dialogue uh traitor assassin the jenic honored you john carter look how you repay his kindness there's a little bit different um punctuation here instead of a comma there is the m dash but um yeah summon the night watch caltech no comrade we this will we slay ourselves and john carter's narration says data thoris and i had hoped to slip away from Karen Thor, The City of Winged Men in Stealth and Secrecy, it seems that this was not to be. And then we jump into a comic book that has so much happening. There is so much going on. And these are small panels. And there's just, it's, there's a lot packed in here. I'm going to go ahead and talk about the art first, though, before I, I talk about the story. This is Ernie Colon, who's the penciler, and Frank Springer, Springer who's the inker. Now, Ernie and Frank, I just don't think they're a very good team. I don't. Ernie by himself is pretty good. He's pretty good. Um, but you give him this anchor here and it just it doesn't work for me and it can, it's not all Frank's Mr. Springer's fault. It is uh there's there's just poor anatomy the um perspective sometimes just feels so weird and off Uh, this first page I look at it and I just feel like three different people are on three different planes of existence as far as just how the floor is angled and how uh, just the distance between them it it just is not dynamic now that's not to say that there's no movement there's no action Um, it just it's not as dynamic I, I just the, the anatomy, looking at this first panel here, John Carter's foot is just off to this weird angle, and he's standing on, um, actually standing on a, a dead guard's wing, but they, it, it just, the artwork in this comic flirts with being as great as earlier comics have been, but it just doesn't reach those heights. It just doesn't. There is one panel that one panel and one action sequence i should say where this this one panel and i don't have page numbers on in my uh, omnibus edition it's on page 447 but where um john carter is given his old harness and his old clothes and he's wearing those uh, adventurer you know pirate boots and he's he's got the the cloth hanging down and he's got the harness and he raises his arms and it just it's uh It's just a cool picture. It's almost like the He-Man transformation kind of thing. I mean, it it took some time for him to put it on. They show, you know, three or four panels of him putting it on, but he's standing there and it's just exciting. And, you know, John Carter himself is excited (laughs) and you can just feel like there's an energy in that panel that just isn't in these earlier action sequences. And I just feel like, I think the blame does not fall to Ernie or Frank. I think the blame falls to Deadline. I feel like it's rushed. I think that that is probably the issue that is at hand here. Is is that it's rushed? It's it's problematic to me because someone or someone's were hurrying through this thing to get it done. Um, and like I said, there's so many panels on each page, you know, and and these, these there's so much happening. They escape which is great, you know. There's this battle, though, between these two guards, which does not go well for John Carter. I'm surprised. There's so many things that happen in this comic that make John Carter look weaker than he actually is. And part of that is just so that things can happen. You know, I mean, if he is the ultimate guy here, if he's Superman, then it's not as exciting because you're just like, well, he's going to escape because there's no problem. There's, there's nothing stopping him. There's no one stopping him. No one can stop him. And so you have these two guards and one of them just gets in a cheap shot to his Head to John Carter's head that knocks him almost out. And the one good thing I would say here is in the last issue, Deja Thoris didn't have much to do and didn't have, didn't do too much. In this one, she does. She is active and she is a big part of the action that happens here. She still gets knocked out and knocked down, uh, so John Carter has to save her, but she's also saving him when he gets knocked out and knocked down. So, like in this fight with this guard where the guard gets in a, a just a nice, good, cheap shot to the head, and John Carter is about to fall unconscious. Uh, as the guard is about to spear him through, all of a sudden he stops, and that's because Dejah Thoris has thrown a knife at this guy, and, and he's going to have... He's dying now, and he jumps at her then, and this is where it gets kind of silly, is uh, he jumps at her, and in, as he's dying, he's like, I'm going to take you with me, and so, of course, John Carter then gets up and pulls him off of her as this guard is dying in John Carter's arms, Deja Thoris is also dying, having been strangled, but he picks her up, they run away, and then they're running on these bridges, and it's another escape sequence where, again, uh, there's this nice battle there, and they both are active parts of this battle. And John Carter doesn't look as weak now as as he did. But again, you have to have things happen in order to get the plot moving where you want them to go. John Carter and Dejah Thoris have to be taken out; they have to be knocked out. And so, while well, John Carter's friend goes ahead and runs and and gets out of there because there's nothing they can do to help them, you know, because they're on this bridge, it's high above, hanging from the stalag mites or tights i could never remember but it's hanging from the top of this cave and as they're running um the warriors who are chasing after them realize we can't stop them in hand-to-hand battle we have wings we don't have to stop them in hand-to-hand battle let's fly away from them get out of sword range and then they do and they take their battle axes and knock chunks out of this bridge which is free hanging you know it's just this flat stone bridge connecting these stalactites or stalagmites actually one of the pictures looks like it's both so i'm not wrong it's stalactites and stalagmites but they're knocking out chunks of this the bridge and then the bridge crumbles and they are both rescued by the warriors, but then just one single knock to the head and, and John Carter's out as he's being rescued, quote unquote, by Garkaris, who is one of the highest generals, who is also a nice guy. He's a good guy, and uh, he's actually the uncle of the Jeddick, and he has to follow and obey his uncle's uh, orders. And that and he actually says, there's a nice moment, he says, thereby I make all his crimes mine. I like that. It's it's good stuff. It's good stuff. Uh, John Carter, Dejah Thoris are given a night in a dungeon together. Uh, this is where you have her kind of talking about how, um, well, she's, I'll just read it. She says, don't touch me. I am no longer worthy of you. And he says, I don't understand Dejah. What happened while you were a slave? Uh, what did he do to you? And she says, Oh, John. And she's just so emotionally over, uh, overwrought. And you know, here's the thing though. Uh, this is good characterization, and the other one where she's just kind of laying around and not doing anything, I, I didn't like it as much. Uh, but this, this is good characterization. This is where she feels she says, "I've dishonored my family and my ancestors, and if I had to do it all over again, I would change nothing." You know, but she's saying, you know, this is not about, um, you know, you can say that it's okay, but tradition doesn't. My people are ruled by tradition. And he says, well, there is no dishonor. You were true to yourself, and I love you for that, and blah, blah, blah. But what I like about this is that you do see her kind of dealing with these emotional consequences. And you see him trying to help her through it, but knowing that he can't do anything about it other than accept her and continue loving her. And, you know, whatever she feels, he he does. He just says, I'm going to continue loving you. And, you know, because everything he does, everything he does, he does for her. And, uh, you know, I wish, you know, there wasn't copyright infringement involved. Otherwise I'd play the, uh, theme song, the love theme theme from Robin hood by Brian Adams, everything I do, I do for you, but I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to reference it because everything he does. And it just makes me think of that song <laughs> every single time. So they are then taken to an arena and this is where you get that, that panel where he's putting on his harness and he's just there's just so much more energy in that panel. I feel like this whole sequence, actually. I don't know what is different because there's still issues that I have with anatomy and there's still issues I have with positioning. But we now move into what was referenced on the cover of this issue. The cover says the claws of the banth. Dejah Thoris is tied to a stake in an arena and John Carter is fighting the banth, which is a 10-legged lion. And they say it's the biggest one that he's ever seen. No one has seen a bigger one in Parsoom, and then he notices though that he can see its ribs it's been starved, and he battles it and this is this sequence here it's short it's so short, barely two and a half pages, barely two and a half pages uh, the sequence starts on one page the the end of the page the final panel you see the banth um the there's Again, storytelling wise, I feel like it's rushed because, you know, I feel like they're this panel where it's just standing there and looking menacing. I, I, I feel like you should be seeing like a portcullis going up or something and, and, and it's coming out. Um, but instead, it's just here's a shot of the Banth. Here's a reaction shot, just a uh, really close up of, of John Carter's head. And the, then we have a shot of the Banth jumping. We don't have any idea of how close they are, or how far away they are until. The, the next panel there where they're grappling together now. So there's, there's some dynamism to the art here. There's some fun, you know, to the, just the, the raw primitive battle that's going on here. But again, it, it's just not, it's not the greatest of, of art because you don't have a sense of geography at first, you know, and uh, Dejah Thoris is tied to a stake, which you see her, Uh, On the page where John Carter raises his arms and he's wearing his harness and stuff, at the end of that, that's the first panel on that page. The last panel on that page shows him in the arena and she's tied up and the wind is blowing. She's wearing her cape and she's wearing her kind of more royal garb, her real garb instead of her slave garb. And that's a a great panel that shows kind of some of the the geography of this place, this, this arena. But this... This next panel where she shows up is the one where he's grappling with the, the banth and he's trying to avoid like all 10 of these legs have these just enormous claws on them. And she's standing there on the uh, tied to the stake and and just looking over and there's just this look of surprise on her face. But it just doesn't fit. I, I don't know. It doesn't fit the way I think that the emotion should should work there. Here I am just judging all this art. But uh, the next page is where it gets even more primal and primitive and uh the storytelling is really good here the visual storytelling gets really good here where he's fighting this thing and he's grabbing at its jaws and the third panel on this page where he is actually like pulling the jaws apart it is brutal brutal it is the 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 tongue is just lolling out and i think that's the right word lolling lolling whatever and he's just pulling at the jaws the eyes of this beast looks like it's so surprised and of course the it helps that the jaws are being pulled so wide open <laughs> this thing just looks so surprised like Whoa, i'm dying i'm dying um, and then he's standing over it and it's it's bleeding from its its wounds in its head and he's he is won he's victorious and it's it's a it's only like I said, barely two pages long. Not even well. I mean, one panel on that page, then this whole page, then kind of almost this whole page. Yeah, it's two page long battle. This is the John Carter that I am expecting and hoping for when I read a John Carter comic. Then, uh, unfortunately, uh, the things get bad again. Dejah Thoris gets hit by an arrow from Chan Tomar, the the Jeddak who just looks like such a jerk. He he's drawn to be this um, impish jerky little, I don't even know what. So John Carter does not like him at all. Dejah Thoris does not like him at all. They John Carter takes her jumps away. And then this is where I was so surprised they went here and so glad they went here. There's, Reference in two panels of a battle that <laughs> they are fighting through his men to get to him. And when they finally get to him, he pulls his sword and he's getting ready to fight John Carter. But before she, he has a chance, a chain gets thrown around his neck and then a sword runs him through. And it's Dejah Thoris. Not a sword, sorry, a, a dagger. It's a, it's a dagger. She kills him and i was so glad that chris claremont the writer of this gave that to her to do um she kills him and she says then never again chantomar will you dare lay a hand on a princess of helium or on even the lowliest woman on barsoom uh now she's got an arrow that just got uh shot into her shoulder and so she's weak and hurt and they they help her sit down and again <laughs> this last page it just it's so awkward they have her Uh, they bring her a chair and she's going to sit down in this chair and, it it almost looks like the way the panel is working. She's missing the chair, like she's gonna fall down on the ground. Like the guy is standing there, he's ready to pull the chair out from under her. You know, like you did in in second grade, and you get yelled at so bad because you know if someone fell and hit their head, your teacher would be uh, so scared that that's what was going to happen. And of course, your teacher was right to be scared that that would happen because when I became a teacher, I realized that is not something I want to have happen in my class. But when I was in second grade, I did that a couple times. And uh, anyway, it, it just looks awkward, stilted. Um, but, uh, things have now changed because their ruler is dead, but still John Carter and Dejah Thoris must die. That is the final line of this comic because their friend, the general who was just following orders and realized, uh, you know, he gives that not as an excuse, but as a reason for what he's doing. I am following orders, but I accept the, um, I accept the fact that I, in following his orders, am also guilty. But now he must follow the law, which is if you kill a Jedi, you must die no matter what. And so John Carter and Dejah Thoris must die. They are going to die now at this friend's hand. They're going to be thrown back into the arena. And he says, it breaks my heart to give this command. But that is our new cliffhanger is that they have... They're going to go back into the frying pan. Out of the frying pan, into the fire, and then they put the fire out, only to be thrown back into the frying pan because there's a new fire. And, and by fire, I mean leader, uh, new Jetic. So that is John Carter, Warlord of Mars, issue number 21. Is it good? Yes. Is it great? No. But it's very good. And I'm still, this is... Just a fantastic, fantastic run of comics. And, you know, we will give uh, give our final judgment when we've gotten through, what is it, 28 or 29 issues. So that means there's still seven or eight issues to go for a final judgment on this run of comics. This is this one of the greatest runs of comics of all time? I'm... I'm going to say that this is probably going to be in my top 25. I never would sit down to make a top 25, but I think it would be safe to say that this would be up there just in these 22 comics we've already read, but man, John Carter, world of Mars. It's still good, still good. But I just, I hope that there's not a continued decline. If there is a continued decline, then that would maybe be a reason why that it didn't last like star Wars did. But I don't know. I don't know. The other thing being John Carter, Warlord of Mars is just capitalizing on the name Edgar Rice Burroughs. And so unlike Star Wars, where it was this huge mega hit, and then it was bridging the gap between the movies. And so there was still that something right there. And same with G.I. Joe, same with Transformers. Um, John Carter, Warlord of Mars was an old, old, old thing that, you know, if you've heard me talk about the movie... The John Carter movie, it really frustrates me that so many people watch that John Carter movie and say, oh, man, I've seen this before. This is just like Star Wars or, oh, man, I've seen this before. This is just like Superman. And the truth is it predates both of them. The problem is while those things both drew from John Carter, Warlord of Mars, those book series, they became more popular than the source material. And so the source material becomes the thing that is derivative And so that is also a possibility here is just that this source material was old and it didn't have uh, something in the public conscience that was going to continue uh, reason to have this comic exist. Um, Now you do have Conan and and Conan. It was very long lasting uh, with Marvel. And but then again, Conan had the, the movie and movies, I should say. So. Yeah, I I don't know exactly. This is armchair quarterbacking right now about something that uh, maybe I should do a little more research into, but I'm going to wait and do a little more research, you know, as we get toward the end, when we get to those last couple of issues, the last couple of episodes of this podcast, we will uh, explore that a little bit more. For the time being, though, I want to thank you for listening, and um, man, I, I really hope that... Uh, if this podcast is doing anything, it's possibly helping you to explore and find, um, some things that are surprises to you like these are, you know, and, and whether it's the cheesiness and the wonkiness of human fly, or whether it's the, the coolness of John Carter stuff, or whether it's the, you know, the fun old schoolness of the star Wars stuff, or whether it's the, uh, surprising sophistication of, you know, Micronauts and and ROM, uh, I I hope that you're discovering some stuff here through this podcast and maybe even, you know, deciding to pick up, you know, back issues or pick up uh, collections. And so whatever, though, whatever you're getting out of this, I do want to thank you for listening. And I do want to wish you, as you go through your battles against ten-legged Banth lions of Barsoom, I just want to wish you safe travels, and Godspeed. Thanks for listening to the Comic Book Time Machine's Marvel's Cosmic Comics feed. You can find more discussion of many, many more comics like Superman and Spider-Man, what ifs and else worlds, the six million dollar man and Batman, comics seven days old and seven decades old, on our main feed, which you can find on iTunes or at comicbooktimemachine.com. We'd also love it if you join us on Facebook at facebook.com or on Twitter where we are at Comic Time. Next episode in the Marvel's Cosmic Comics feed, let's we'll take a look at Ben's Bullpen Bulletin. This is where we open up the issue and take a look at the ads take a look at what else was going on on the spinner rack in that month 1979